was to get to episode 200 before I hit the age 30. Uh, my birthday's June 14th, so I'm on pace right now to get episode uh, 200. Um, I missed you guys. I haven't been podcasting in the past two to three weeks because of work. I went down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, got a chance to go to the Miami Heat game versus the Knicks, and then I went to uh, Houston, Texas for the McDonald's All-American game when I connected with some really good coaches, got to see Bronny in the dunking contest, and hopefully he's making his decision sometime soon. Isaiah Collier, who's the number one player in the 2023 class, who's going to USC. I saw some really talented players. Um, local ones uh, that I could name off the top is uh, Xavier Booker and Jeremy Fierce, who will both be going to Michigan State. Um, Fierce is from uh, Joliet West, played there, and uh, Xavier Booker goes to Cathedral out in Indianapolis. So got to cover those guys, and from Houston, I went to Washington, D.C. We had our state champions invitational boys and girls on Georgetown's campus. I love D.C. It's one of my favorite places. Um, but this week, I have a very special guest. He's a former athlete, played at the highest level of basketball, played here at Valpo. They just had they just hired Coach Roger Powell have the one and only Dean and Barbara White um, director, Torrance Price. How are you, sir? Coach? Doing good, man. Thank you. Thank you. You know we have a very uh, weird connection, right? How so? Going back to your Thea Bowman days, I think you participated at a Valpo team camp when I was the grad assistant coach. I, I did. They offered me like in middle school. Yes. It went over my head. Shout out to the Drews. Yes, good yes. Good people. That was at the court, the courts back, yeah. then, back in those days. Man, I was a young assistant. Talk, talk about those days, and obviously you, you're starting to see a new turn of events at, at Valpo. Was you surprised by the new hire, and you think it's in the right direction? Well, one thing I try not to do whenever, you know, especially since I've left, um, I I don't stay in as in tune to it as I, I normally would. Right. Um, my biggest thing is I want the student athletes to have the experiences that I had when I was there, which we enjoyed a lot of success, a lot of fan support, and we did a lot of winning. Right. Um, the thing I always caution people, you know, because our emotions and our fandom get into is that this is still a business. Absolutely. And, you know, whether you're winning 20 games a year every year, you're going to look to go to the next jump. If you're struggling, you're going to expect change to come. Now, the way direction that goes, um, obviously um, – 
you know, there's a lot of former Valpo players that have been there that are doing great things in other places that are uh, head coaches winning national championships in certain places or top assistants in other places. So um, Roger Powell is a slam dunk from my understanding. I've never met Roger. Um, obviously, I'm a little older, so I watched him when he played for that great Illinois team right. that battled North Carolina for the uh, for the championship when he played with D. Brown and uh, Darren Williams and Luther Head and those guys. Augustine back in that day, and um, I do remember when he was an assistant with Bryce those uh, four to five years during that time. Um, during that time, actually, I was living in Grand Rapids, Michigan when that was going on. Wow. And then um, when Bryce left to go to Vanderbilt, I moved back uh, to the area in 2017, so it was Matt Lodge's second year. So um, from what my understanding is in terms of um, as a person, he's top quality. Um Anytime there's change, there's always excitement. But now um, the challenge has come because now the university has to rally behind him, his staff, uh, supply resources, things that they, he feels like they need to be able to go out and compete. That's that's big time. And how do you take, obviously, the mindset when you were playing into the business where you're at now, you know, with the Dean and Barbara White and the communication skills that plays a part and understanding the team effort for the most part but how does that's one of my favorite questions to ask is how do you take being an athlete into the business world well it, it can work for you it can work against you because as an athlete <clears throat> if you're a top-notch athlete you're very self-motivated you don't wait for people to say hey there's a problem right you are ahead of the curve you are looking to be a step ahead because we're taught failure to prepare is preparing to fail and what you do is you take that confidence, uh, you take that passion for what you do, and you're the hardest worker. Um, people feel like you're genuine. They can really connect with you. Right. Because you know before you become a team, you're 12 individuals. Right. Absolutely. And, and 12 individuals have to accept each other for who they are, your quirks, your differences, um, how you like the ball, where you want it. And once you accept that, that's when you become a team. And so that's what you try to foster in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of especially what we're doing, because um, there's still levels of growth that we're trying to attain. But you're trying to set the foundation for what you want the atmosphere to be in terms of the camaraderie, being able to work together, being able to handle each other's differences, but still enjoy the work. And when you enjoy the work, the results come with it. Where, where do you think you would be at if you had an NIO deal in college? Because <laughs> I, I saw DJ Wilkins at Dean and Barbara yeah, White. Uh -huh. For those who don't know, DJ Wilkins played at uh, Drake University, just recently graduated with uh, Roman Penn, who went to Bishop Knoll. And DJ Wilkins leads Drake um, in all-time uh, three points made. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw him, I told him, I'm like, hey, you know, you went back to college? You know, um, how much they paying you to return, even mm -hmm. though I was joking, but I was serious. Like, hey, I, I was curious to see if he was going going back to Drake. But he was like, no, I'm actually done this time. Mm -hmm. Where do you think you will be at if you was getting paid and though in, <laughs> in college at Valpo for your name, image and likeness? Well, the funny thing is, I don't know if I would have been at Valpo if that's the case, you know, because times are different. Um, one of the greatest things that I'm always the most um, appreciative of in terms of my experience is the experience of having my father with me. Um, wow. Having my father, um, without him, um, Dr. Barbara Tyree, who was my academic advisor at Valpo, I'm not sitting here with you. 
because there's a lot of things Torrance wanted to do. Right. That I had her and I had him at home that says, nah, you need to go this route. You need to do this. You need to trust me. And he was the one who told me um, after going to the, winning to go to the Antelope tournament in 1998, he told me in my hotel room, I remember like yesterday, he said, you don't understand this now, but 10, 15 years from now, when you're done, you'll be in a much better place than where you're thinking you, you'll be. I had no idea I'd be sitting here next to you, um, but he was correct. So I think um, in terms of all of that, having him there would have made the process easier for me, be able to navigate it. Um, because, you know, we always get caught up in the dollars, but there's yeah. always details right? in those dollars. There's always um, that fine print that, that comes along with that. So um, I think I'm pretty sure that if, if I had those opportunities back then when I played, I'll be in a pretty good spot because I would have somebody I could trust to help navigate 100%. That. And, and basically what you just reiterated to me, you have a foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, how important is that when, when young student athletes listen to this episode um, and you talk about the foundation you had, how important and vital was that for you to get you where you are in life? It's everything. Um, I wasn't your typical athlete. Um most kids around the ages of six, seven, or eight, that's when they're entering bitty basketball and playing these things. I was across the water. I was living in Bamberg, Germany. Wow. Um, my father was in the military and served 21 years. And so I was born in uh, Fort Benning, Columbus, Georgia. So I grew up in a huge family. My mother had 13 brothers and sisters. My dad had eight. Um, I had 10 cousins born around the same time frame I was. And so I grew up, my family, my cousins being my best friend. And then you leave and go all the way across the water. And it's like, whoa. But I had a great time. And then you leave Germany. And I remember the first time I learned I was moving to Kansas, I had to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I watched Danny and the Miracles win the national championship. And that's how I realized I was going to Kansas. Wow. And so um, August 1st, 1998, that's when I moved to Kansas. And, um, um, Really, my story is very unique because I didn't play organized basketball for the first time till I was 11 years old. Um, that's pretty late. Yeah, and, that um, is late. My dad wasn't very tall. He's about five six, five seven. Um, as you can tell, I'm about six two and a half, six three. And um, I was discovered by my AAU coach, who called a friend from our rival high school. Manhattan, which KT Turner, who's now the head coach at San Antonio. Um, yeah. I played against him in high school. Wow. Um, I was in the eighth grade, and he said he was looking for some players. And I was the only one who had a birthday that was young enough to go to the tryout. And so I went to this tryout. I drove two hours to a little small town, Atchison, Kansas, um, in a snowstorm. Just to who? Just, just to do a tryout. That's how different things were when I was growing up. That's wild. That wasn't going to say you was going to make the team. This is you to try out. And you get there and you see all these kids that are like playing. You're just like, whoa. But uh, long story short, I made the team. Um, I went to my first tournament at 13. That team broke up. And um, one of my teammates' father, who had coached before, took over. Um, and he kept me. And so I... I stayed with him from the ages 13 to 15. I played for the Kansas Gold, and um, we had great success. We won a regional championship, and then um, in 94, we finished third in the nation at Nationals in Oklahoma City. That's a grind. I mean, you went from Europe to Kansas, and then 
obviously I, I can't wait to hear how you navigated come to the region besides Valpo <laughs> and you stayed here in the region. Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing, and this is a true story, the reason why I got into playing basketball, I did not want to go to church during the week. That's fair. And so I found out that, okay, you got games on Tuesday, and here you practice all week? Oh, sign me up. And so when I took my dad the registration form, it was $25 to play. Sheesh. And this is, but you know, one thing you learn too when you when you're on a military base, a lot of the um, your bases have the bigger, the best programs because of the funding that's available to them. Right. So um, if you ever get a chance to attend a national awards banquet for like uh, parks and recreation, those things, bases usually win the most in terms of those awards because they just have an inherited advantage. And so um, that gave me my start. Um, he acted like it was you know, one hundred and fifty dollars like it is today. Right. Back then, that was a lot, considering, too, that I had a twin, um, and then we were taller. My shoes were bigger, you know. Um, but before he passed, we used to laugh about it all the time. I was telling him, you know, a $20 investment got you $200,000 of free education. Hey, hey, for those listening, Adobe Premiere only costs $50 to make $300 for one game. So There it is. You know, flip the opportunity if you uh, look in to create content or a subscription in general could take you a long way. Absolutely. You know, 20 30 bucks can uh, – turn into a small business for you coach you coach you got into coaching right mm -hmm. what made you because i think it was couch well was um my first coaching job ironically was my I, I stayed at valpo for a fifth year and the couch head coach was the head coach at washington township gotcha and so he called the office uh he talked to coach drew he's looking for somebody uh, i was very rebellious at 21 i wasn't going to practice or do anything right back in those days so i was just walking around campus my fifth year and so coach called me i talked to me about the opportunity asked me to go meet with him and i, I didn't want to coach because yeah. i had fought coaches uh my They're first worse. my first four years of high school basketball i had three coaches so my freshman year sophomore year junior year, i had three different coaches and i sat behind my freshman year a lot of kids who are great superintendents and principals meaning that they weren't better than me. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I had a really disdain for it. And I remember, like, yesterday, I go to Washington Township. I stop in the administrative office, and I sign up to substitute teach first. And then I eventually I went and talked to him. I sat down with him. Um, I did that year with him, um, 2001, 2002. And, it, um, no, I'm sorry, 2000, 2001. And it was a cool experience, but man, I could not take the drubbing we was taking. Um, I remember going to the Porter County tournament, and we just got the brakes beat off us. And I'm sitting there like I'm just not used to that. No, you know, I'm not used to just sitting there and taking it. And, right. You know, you compete, um, and you don't have the caliber of players either to to be in the situation to win. So you're kind of stuck with what you got, and it's hard to re try to get kids to. Uh, pursue an education at Couch. Right. Mm -hmm. What was it like being probably the only brother there? That's always the question <laughs> I wanted to ask, Rob. Right. It was right. like when I found out that he was coaching at Couch, I was like, man, you have to have been the only brother there. But what was that like? Because I went to Moorhead State, right? Mm -hmm. Once I, mm -hmm. I left DePaul, and it was a predominantly white school, and they said, if you can make it here in Eastern Kentucky, make it anywhere. you can make it anywhere. Mm -hmm. So what was that the experience like for you at Couch? Well, the funny thing is, when I was telling that experience, mm -hmm. the Coach Duzan is the head coach at Couch. So when I moved back to the region, I went to a game, and I bumped into him. I hadn't seen him since I coached right. that one year. And his wife was teaching with my wife at Ben Franklin Middle School. 
So um, at that point, I think more for me, it was I just enjoyed being around the game. Mm -hmm. It was more a mentorship thing for me. Um, having the opportunity to get out of my office to do something different. True. Um, it's kind of funny because I remember the stories they told us when I came here about not going to Cows. And the only reason why we went to Cows was our secretary, Sherry Williams, lived in Cows. But to actually go, I knew a little bit about the program and the history when I was um, a player here. Right. But to kind of go and experience the um, the craziness on a Friday night in that gym where there's nothing else going on and literally everybody is there. Right. Being blessed to have the caliber of athletes um, that they that came through there, and kind of and really get a taste of what Indiana basketball is really like because we made a run and we played for the state championship in 2021. It's nothing like who's a hysteria. It's not. It's nothing like it to go to Lafayette Jeff, and for their fans who were playing against our a small weather it was, uh, were complaining that our fans were buying their tickets. It was a sea of black everywhere. Right. You know and. Um, it was an amazing experience. I really didn't think much about it because at that time, you know, I'm a little more mature now. Um, I would have thought more about it definitely in my 20s because um, I've gotten used to being the only brother in a lot of different places. Yeah. Right so. yeah, it's like that. Hey, in 49 states, it's just basketball. That's it. You That's know, it. And, and, and here it's just different. Like we, we breed basketball. Yes. We, we're from a, a basketball state. I was playing against Couts. I believe it was Couts around 2010. No, 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 2009 when I got those two technical fouls in mm -hmm. Couts. That's why I still hold that grudge towards them. <laughs> it was one I, I hung on the rim after I, I attempted to dunk, and the other one was I, I smacked the backboard trying to attempt the block, and mm -hmm. they called two technical fouls in Couts. Mm -hmm. And just that quick, you know, some somebody could take something away from you that you oh, really yeah. care about. Mm -hmm. Have you had any of those experiences where you had to battle adversity, whether that was sports or business? And how did you, you know, claw your way back? All the time. Um, one of the things that sometimes is good, but you, you can know too much. Right. So one of the things coming out, how crazy this sounds is, um, you know, because when I came out of school, there was no YouTube. PlayStation 2 was just coming out. So that's 2000. Right. We got PlayStation 5 now. Exactly. Yeah. And YouTube rules everything. Yeah. So when you're going into athletics, especially when my goal was going to athletic administration, the taboo was, even in 2000, that um, they love for us to play and to recruit, but they don't want you in the leadership roles. Mm. And so sometimes, I think for me, I carried that chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And and going in there, so it was more of an attitude of, well, I know you don't want me anyway, but I'm going to show you. Yeah. And I think that worked against me in my youth because you're young. And believe it or not, um, you're two separate people. You're the regular person every day who you're mainly going to be the majority of your life. Right. But then there's this athlete in you that consumes everything for a shorter portion of your life. But that's the that's where it bleeds over into everything. And so you go into this very competitive situation. You go into different things, like still the athlete in mind, but you're not. You don't have it on a jersey. You have on right. a shirt and a tie. You have to adapt the mentality. You have to adjust. So my first experience at Ferris State, I went there. I had interviewed to be an assistant AD. Uh, they told me that I needed more experience. They wanted to make me um, director of fundraising, but then they hired an assistant AD from high school that I went to college with. Small world. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't know that. And that kind of got off to just a very, very bad start. Um, um, I did not, my contract did not get renewed there. And I, four months before my contract didn't get renewed, I ruptured my Achilles. And so I'm limping, I'm on crutches. Playing basketball? Yes. It just blew out, gave out on me at a lunchtime game. Um, April Fool's Day, actually. April 1st, that happened, 2009. And then, um, not too long after I got home from that, my foot is up. I find out my son is on the way. Congrats. Yeah, so um it was know, a happy you, medium to balance you out. All but right? not only that, you get that real stroke of reality like, yo, um, you know, um, no job, foot in the air, kid on the way. So you have to learn to kind of just take that hard self evaluation of yourself and say, Okay, I know what the facts are. But what about you? What right. is it about you that you need to change to adjust to help you hit where you need to hit? And it was about a five-year odyssey. So I went. People don't know this. I went from 2009 to 2014, and I did not have one sports job. And you had to do something just to make ends meet in between yes. that time. But here in 2023, you have Gen Zers. I'm not doing that job because I don't like right. it. And I don't want to go off subject, but just to hear what you have to say, I think more people need to hear that because there's a lot of people who are young who has a baby on the way. Yeah. And they think that, hey, I'm not doing that because it stresses me out. Well, people don't know this. Um, just imagine this. Let's say you have the athletic background I have. I got a master's degree. I've coached. At that time, I had coach LM, high school was been very successful. I was a grad assistant coach for a year, and I had coached um, middle school. And you walk in, I'm working at Pearl Vision. What's Pearl Vision? Eye eyeglasses, eye care, making eight dollars and fifteen cents an hour. Man, talking about glasses, talking knowing, about glasses, knowing the ins and out of glasses. Mm -hmm. That's um, wild. Fixing glasses, um, helping people pick out their frames. That was my second job. I would, um, and on Fridays, I was off. I would watch my son to save on daycare costs, right. then go work the weekends there for three days after doing after school programs from Monday through Thursday. And so, what it teaches you is just, you know, I didn't come in with the, that's the athletic side. If you don't right. come in, that's the big shot. Right. I don't say, I got a master's degree. Why the heck I'm doing this? Right. It's no, it's humility. You're, you're, you're perfecting your craft, you're fitting into each group, you're working your tail off for the team. To succeed because when the team hit their goals, there are some people who relied on that as a livelihood. And they depended yeah. on me on that weekend to make those sales, treat those customers great. So when those bonuses kicked in, they were there 40, 50 hours a week. Right. The grinders. That's it. So you don't want to let your teammates down. And it's that same mentality that you take that if you can handle a little, you'll be blessed with a lot. One of my favorite jobs, and I, I still say this to this day because it's it means so much to me was doing Uber, right? Rideshare. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite jobs that I ever did because I would come home from Europe um, and, and prepare for Puerto Rico. Uh, but then I would wait on the call from Puerto Rico because they'll have a natural disaster. Europe's over, right? I just finished. I'm only making two grand a month in Switzerland. That's really not enough in Switzerland's economy. It, it's so expensive out there. And so I'm like, I got to pay for training. I want to go out. The weather's nice because when the weather's nice, you want to spend more money because mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you feel good. Right. But it's like I got to pay for training. Yoga class costs this. 
uh, I got to pay for gas. I'm like, I'm going to do ride share just to, you know, make ends meet because I got income coming in now. I could do what I want. But the amount of people that I connected with to, I was passing out um, cards, uh, business cards for my podcast when I first Mm -hmm. started. And I always had the ambition to stay downtown. And I would pick up people from their apartments or condos and I only have 40 minutes to have a conversation with this person and they gave me so much advice but what really channeled that grind in me was that they were like man I work on the weekends yeah (laughs) I'm in tech I got to go to San Francisco or New York but I'm a server here Mm -hmm. at like uh, a restaurant in the city right and And earlier earlier we talked about foundation yeah um when my dad retired from the military he was a non-traditional college student. So he would, he went to Kansas State University because Kansas State was like 30 minutes from my doorstep. So from the ages of 13 to 15, I was on that campus every weekend. I was hanging out with the players, you know, before my dad would take me to AAU games. Right. But he would go to class all day, stock groceries at night. So I would have a varsity basketball game on a Friday night. I knew where he would be in the stands. He would sit way up in the – he was sitting away from the parents. He didn't want to complain and stuff. I would see him leave. Right. And then I would hear him because he would leave and go to work. He stocks all night. He comes back home at 7 o'clock in the morning. He knocks on the door, on my door. He asked me how the rest of the game went. I would tell him. But he did that for four years. Wow. And, and never missed a service on Sunday. And graduated college two weeks before I graduated high school. So that was my example yeah. right in my own house. I have no excuse. No, you gotta you gotta get out here and they're grinding. I I see that with a lot of kids. Like they just don't have a, a grind in them, right? They don't have a hunger. Only thing they see is the finished product, right? Well, you know, and I have a son, and that's always the toughest thing that you try to balance out too, because his life is totally different to what I was at yeah. thirteen. He has it a lot easier. He doesn't have. Um, he's still learning about himself, but for when you have sort of a stability financially. And you don't have the pressure of other kids who don't know when their next meal is coming from. Or for them, basketball is everything for them because they view that as their way out. Right. It's different. Um, Having my father in my life taught me that basketball could be a part of my way out, but it was really up in my brain. And that's the difference. That's why I enjoy it as much you know it's hard to believe but i wasn't you know i I do enjoy some learning yeah certain things that you enjoy learning is the best thing absolutely Uh, so um you know because for me to do be doing what i'm doing is total opposite of what my degree and everything is in yeah but having that enjoyment to learn to be challenged to do new things has provided me an outstanding career i've I've loved learning like i wasn't always the most book smart they also tell me hey rico go to class and mm-hmm. marvin ray who passed away was like hey rico if you don't go to class like man it's gonna really be hard for you to go to college mm-hmm. like i got my degree in engineer you always tell me that god rest his soul and it doesn't matter where you're from black blue um white in my meetings they only want to hear about ideas yep um what are you bringing to this meeting at 11 a.m do you have your notes are you on point with travel you know is your flight book mm-hmm and and so I say that a lot of kids, the the landscape is different now because when you're paying teenagers money, they're, <laughs> cons- bucks an hour. yeah, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're essentially pros now. Yeah. So if you're from a, like a urban community and you're, you're already struggling to make ends meet, but mm-hmm. 
most people are going after the marketing and who I can sell at 15 years old right. in high school. Um, and I told a young gentleman this and he didn't want to hear it. And now that I'm older, people used to tell me like, what's your plan B? Mm-hmm. You know, like what else do you like? And I never could answer that question. And now I hear myself asking another player, yeah. like, why are you waiting on that call? Be thankful that that's not a call you waiting on when you're a pro right. and you don't have no school eligibility. And they always ask me, what's my degree? And I tell them general studies because mm-hmm. I kind of was self-taught. Yeah, I wanted to play yeah. and wear nice shoes my whole yeah. life. So I went to school to be a PE teacher. That's why. <laughs> my degree is in physical education. Really? Yes, it is. Um, and my master's is sports administration. And and all that, your adversity, the challenges led you into parks and recreation. Yes, because – um, you may have been a tad bit young when this happened, but when the first time the so-called economy crashed, yeah, around I think it was around oh, eight. Two, oh, eight, oh, eight, oh, nine, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was transitioning, and um, imagine me with my resume sending out hundreds and hundreds of applications and um, and not getting one phone call for an interview and anything. I couldn't be a good athletic director's job. I couldn't get this. I couldn't get that. But the one thing I could always fall back on was my teaching because I used to teach. I love kids. My mom. Ran a daycare growing up, so I've been around kids my whole life. So uh, I heard the parks department in Kentwood was looking for a after-school director for freshmen at the at East Kentwood High School, which is the largest, uh, one of the largest high schools in the state of Michigan. But not only that, the freshman campus had like 700 kids. So I remember limping into that interview that just got cleared to walk, and I got that job. So I'm doing after-school programs. And it's like, is he okay? Cool. This is nice, you know. And um, you know, one thing you learn, I've learned, it hit me in education. They love quality, cheap labor. They love it when you're good, but they don't understand why they can't keep nobody because I couldn't make it just doing that. Right. But doing that job two years later got my foot in the door to be a full-time sports coordinator for the city of uh, Val. I mean, that's uh, Valpo, but Kitwood, Michigan. Two years later, and then. Two years after that, and landed me right back here. And you're at the Dean and Barber White. How does that transition? Because when if I remember when it was first starting, it was starting mm-hmm. to be built. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how limited it, it was going to be. Right? You have the Hammond Sportsplex here, but you know they they're going through some turbulence over there eternally. And I just didn't know what to expect because here in the community, when we see a field house, it's, it's always like. Uh, you can't really have access to it, but it's like, I was so perplexed. Like how do you have resources in the community, but you want to limit the the access people who stay down the street. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why people here kind of branch out. Mm-hmm. It's the same establishment in Fort Wayne, right? We have it here. So what was your, your game plan, you know, with the Dean and Barbara white. And cause I see it from outside looking in, it looks like it's been pretty successful um, people are always calling, mm-hmm. you know, see if there's availability. But what was your game plan, and how did you feel getting that opportunity kind of to lead Dean and Barbara White? Well, um, coming from Valpo Parks, you get real spoiled. Yeah, I bet. Um, with the environment, the leadership under John Seibert, that group, um, I tell people all the time now, it's like my apprenticeship into Parks and Recreation, um, spending almost five years with them. I was a couple months shy of being five years with them. You learn an awful lot about community and service and resources, um, 
reports. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was quite the experience. One of those experiences where you learn more than what you thought you did. Right. Because when you walk into this situation, um, the first thing you never I, – I, I try not to do is that I don't bash people that was before me or anything like that because I don't know the circumstances of things that they, they had to deal with. Right. So you you just look at what you have and, you know, being proactive, I had some meetings, let them know, hey, this is where it is. This is what we're trying to do. This is what we're going to have to go for right now. Right. Because there's two things that kind of – um tricks people number one with it just being the community center you can forget about it should be just a part of the parks and recreation Mm. number two the title community center right community center carries a certain connotation expectation that may have existed 20 years ago but when you have a building that big it doesn't quite apply now right because you have bills to pay absolutely there's things you have there's maintenance to upkeep um, there's there's stuff that has to be done to make sure that it's it stays in the community, right? So it's a balance. Um, and not only that, it's a balance between my ideas and nine other ideas. And that's when the the team camaraderie comes into play. You try to make that work because when I say nine other ideas, you have the town manager, you have the clerk treasurer, you have seven councilmen and councilwomen, right? And everybody has their own ideas. So how do you balance that? Well, first of all, um, you, you pick and choose your battles. Um, I try to be ahead of the curve, inform them of stuff that's happening. Um, data is involved in this because you have to study your numbers. Uh, you have to study your numbers, see where your, um, the revenue is coming in, where it's not coming in. You try to build things up to get you more 21st century. You know, as being a tech guy, a great website is like essential these days. Yeah. Being able to find local uh, information and not only be able to find it is easy. Like pick up your phone and try to buy something off of Amazon. Right. That's what you're working on trying to do to modernize it. Um, the funny thing is like all the time I had spent in Northwest Indiana, I didn't know Maryville had a parks and recreation department. Yeah. I, I never know. We, I'm as far as I've been in the community. Uh, I've never, besides boys and girls club in Chicago, uh-huh. I've never known to have a community center. So that's part of the, you know, getting, how do you establish that footprint? Um, Helping people understand that, um, you know, what it takes to grow that and what are the multiple streams of revenue that needs to come in to stabilize the entire town, entire department, because it's not just a community center. You know, we've got a football field back there. Yeah. Uh, We've got an outdoor concession stand there. Um, we have 24 parks that I'm responsible for that needs to be maintained, upkept. You got other picnic areas that people are looking to, especially as the weather is better. People want to be outside more. So, you know, Central Park, I mean, the Dean and Barbara Community Center reminds me a lot of Central Park Plaza in Valpo when that was first built uh, with the ice skating and everything. Right. It's the, it's the crown jewel, but it's still under an umbrella. And now you kind of, you know, it's kind of like when you buy a new home. The first 15 days, you're champagne in and you're enjoying it. Then you go to the mailbox that day, you get the reminder that, oh, shoot, I got 30 years. I got to pay for this thing. And that's sort of where you're at, where the newness is kind of worn off a little bit. But with those experiences um, and the things that we have been able to do that's been very successful, we just had an MMA fight uh, three weeks ago. We hosted a state gymnastics meet in that center. 
um, all the... You guys had the, the Darius Garland camp, too. Yep, last summer. Uh, who's NBA All-Star, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, um, families, residents of, of Gary and um, Darius had some coffee here in the yes. community before he relocated to Nashville. But that was a big camp, you know. Absolutely, and, 250 and, uh, kids. NBA All-Star, right, that you had come into yes. the Dean and Barbara White. Rich Paul was there. Yes, it doesn't get any better than that. For those who don't know, Rich, Rich Paul is the head of uh, Clutch um, Agency. For those who don't know that, look it up, Clutch, K-L-U-C-H. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the top agents uh, in the NBA right now, and he holds majority of the clientele in the NBA. And Yeah. Um, seeing him, he's one of my fan favorites. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of, of Rich, but to see the improvement and you you know, crush your goals, what's some upcoming events that you have? Um, moving forward. Well, um, we do have a resource fair that's going to come up. That's in partnership with Maryville High School on May 4th. Uh, that's going to announce the summer activity that's going on around our community. We have our Juneteenth. This will be our second annual Juneteenth that's going to be happening at the community center um, on our north side parking lot June 17th. That's a great time for everybody. Um, and then also 4th of July is coming up. And then summertime in August, we'll have some concerts going on, Jazz Fest, Jazz uh, Jazz and Gospel Fest. Um, we'll have some coaching clinics coming up. We'll have some speakers coming in. So we're trying to diversify. Um, but, you know, one thing I want to make sure I give credit to also is because I don't know if you remember this, we met at a function, at a, uh, a chamber function. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a mutual friend, Dave Maravella. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, Shout out to Dave. Yeah, that we had talked about. And the reason why I want to make so sure I'm I mentor. Give, yeah, I want to make sure I give him credit because his presence with the Bosco prep really opened up doors for us. When the word got out that college coaches were coming into our center, uh, when this prep school is there practicing at our center, um, my phone doesn't, won't, it's read every day for people trying to call in and rent yeah. the center because of that. So I want to th- also thank him for, you know, trusted. I had a relationship with him back in the day, long time ago, former VU guy, um, long time agent, just a great guy to be around. Great mentor. He gave me an opportunity when I was, um, coming from Europe and I was trying to figure out what, how I'm going to bring in some revenue. Yeah. I didn't think about coaching at the same time. It was because it's coaching, right? You yeah. envy your coaches. They yeah. feel like coaches try to hold you back. Right. Absolutely. And, um, I've only had a handful of coaches that, that knew me and, um, I was very grateful to have Marvin Ray in my life. Mm-hmm. And he, he's coached me from when I was seven until, um, I was about 17, 18. That's great. So I only had one coach. Yeah. And so I went to gym rats at 14. So I would stay in Fort Wayne all spring and summer. Didn't come back out here in the fall. I say all that Marvin had nothing but good things to say about Dave. Mm-hmm. And I told Dave when he gave me an opportunity, he thought I'd be a great fit for the Bosco uh, culture. And, um, you know, I, I took it with no hesitation. Yeah. Um, but Marvin signed off on him just because Dave is a genuine guy. And yep. I was very fortunate to cross paths with Nico um, and Vu, both of those guys doing a phenomenal job with the postgrad in high school. Mm-hmm. But I learned so much from those guys and I observed. And funny thing is Vu and I um, crossed paths at our time at DePaul together. Yeah. And so to see how everything comes full circle. And my former teammate. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so to see how everything comes full circle. It's like, wow. So that gave me just some different wisdom to talk to athletes. Like, hey, sometimes when your coach is coaching your player, later five, ten years down the line, you guys may circle back and be colleagues. But Bosco's been an instrumental part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it continues to grow because so many kids in our community need right. uh, another outlet. Mm-hmm. And and so, but I, I do want to ask you that too before we get off is like, how do you feel about online learning, with e-learning in general? Um, uh, I wish are I you, had. Are it. you pro? <laughs> you pro e-learning? Yes, I wish I had it. Um, when I, I I just think as the world changed, needs change. And when you're an education major, you learn that there are different learning styles everybody has. Right. Now, the one thing I always commend these young kids about is that being able to make a commitment at that age to where you sacrifice going to homecoming, the everyday classroom experience to do that. I don't know if I could have did that right. from a structural standpoint because just how the family focus was and what the the priority was in terms of what my father and my mother's views for us in our lives. Um, but, you know, it's different. It's, it's just yeah. a different day. I, I tip my hat off. They're they're able to multitask. Absolutely. I mean, if you're really if you know that about yourself at 15 years old, 16 years old, congratulations. Now yeah. go for it. Let's help you achieve that. And and that's why it's like I look for some of the younger kids um, for some advice, whether that's tech, right? But still apply my OG's mentorship and principles to day to day life. Mm-hmm. But kids are able to navigate the iPad, YouTube at yes. a much younger age when yeah. I was still coming up in the era. Uh, I believe Rob did too. Which we were hearing the internet. You knew you couldn't be on a telephone line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like little stuff like that. Net zero dial up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so all that to say is though, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for um, having Tarns, me, man. This is, episode this is 178, awesome. um, director of uh, Dean and Barbara White community center guys. I appreciate you always for listening. And again, showing love, subscribe, uh, Shoot me a review. I appreciate it. And um, until next time, appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate you.